Chapter Thirty One of Dope. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Dope by Sax Romer. Chapter Thirty One, The Story of Seven Nineteen. In a top back room of the end house in the street, which also boasted the residence of Sinsinwah. Seton Pasha and Chief Inspector Carey sat one on either side of a dirty deal table. Seton smoked, and Carey chewed. A smoky oil lamp burned upon the table, and two notebooks lay beside it. It is certainly odd, Seton was saying, that you fail to break my neck. But I have made it a practice since taking up my residence here to wear a cap heavily padded. I apprehend sandbags and pieces of loaded tubing. The tube is not made, declared Kerry, which can do the job. You're harder to kill than a Chinese Jew. Your own escape is almost equally remarkable, added Seaton. I rarely miss at such short range. But you had nearly broken my wrist with that kick. I'm sorry, said Kerry. You should always bang a door wide open suddenly before you enter into a suspected room. Anybody standing behind usually stops it with his head. I am indebted for the hint, Chief Inspector. We all have something to learn. Well, sir, we've laid our cards on the table, and you'll admit we've both got a lot to learn before we see daylight. I'll be obliged if you'll put me wise to your game. I take it you began work on the very night of the murder. I did, by a pure accident. The finding of an opiated cigarette in Mr. Gray's rooms. I perceived that the business which had led to my recall from the East was involved in the Bond Street mystery. Frankly, Chief Inspector, I doubted at that time if it were possible for you and me to work together. I decided to work alone. A beard which I had worn in the East, for purposes of disguise, I shaved off. And because the skin was whiter where the hair had grown than elsewhere, I found it necessary after shaving to powder my face heavily. This accounts for the description given to you of a man with a pale face. Even now the coloring is irregular, as you may notice. Deciding to work anonymously, I went post-haste to Lord Rexborough, and made certain arrangements, whereby I became known to the responsible authorities as 719. The explanation of these figures is a simple one. My name is Greville Seaton. G is the seventh letter in the alphabet, and S the nineteenth. Hence, 719. The increase of the drug traffic and the failure of the police to cope with it had led to the institution of a home office inquiry, you see. It was suspected that the traffic was in the hands of Orientals, and in looking about for a confidential agent to make certain inquiries, my name cropped up. I was at that time employed by the Foreign Office, but Lord Rexborough borrowed me. Seaton smiled at his own expression. Every facility was offered to me, as you know and that my investigations led to the same conclusions as your own, my presence as lessee of this room in the person of John Smiles 
seaman sufficiently demonstrates hmm said carrie and i take it your investigations have also led you to the conclusion that our hands are clean seaton pasha fixed his cool regard upon the speaker personally i have never doubted this chief inspector he declared i believed and i still believe that the people who traffic in drugs are clever enough to keep in the good books of the local police it is a case of clever camouflage rather than corruption ah snapped carrie i was waiting to hear you mention it so long as we know i'm not a man that stands for being pointed at i've got a boy at a good public school but if ever he said he was ashamed of his father the day he said it would be the day he'd never forget seaton pasha smiled grimly and changed the topic let us see he said if we are any nearer to the heart of the mystery of kasma you were at the regent street bank today i understand at which the late sir lucian pine had an account i was replied carrie next to his theatrical enterprises his chief source of income seems to have been a certain jose santos company of buenos aires we have traced Cosmo's account too but no one at the bank has ever seen him the missing rashid always paid in checks were signed mohammed el Kasma, in which name the account had been opened from the amount standing to his credit there it's evident that the proceeds of the dope business went elsewhere where do you think they went asked seaton quietly watching carrie well rapped carrie i think the same as you i've got two eyes and i can see out of both of them and you think i think they went to the jose santos company of buenos aires right cried seaton i feel sure of it we may never know how it was all arranged or who was concerned but i am convinced that mr isaacs lessee of the cubana cigarette company offices mr jacobs my landlord mohammed el kasma whoever he may be the untraceable mrs sinsinois and another were all shareholders of the jose santos company i'm with you by another you mean sir lucian it's horrible but i'm afraid it's true they became silent for a while carrie chewed and seaton smoked then the significance of the fact that sir lucian's study window was no more than forty paces across the leads from a well-oiled window of the cubanus company will not have escaped you said seaton i performed the journey just ahead of you i believe then sir lucian had lived in buenos aires that was before he came into the title and at a time i am told when he was not overburdened with wealth his man marino is indisputably some kind of a south american and he can give no satisfactory account of his movements on the night of the murder that we have to deal with a powerful drug syndicate there can be no doubt the late sir lucian may not have been a director but i feel sure he was financially interested casmas was the distributing office and the importer was sinsinois cried Kerry his eyes gleaming savagely he's as clever and cunning as all the rest of chinatown put together somewhere not a hundred miles from this spot where we are now there's a store of stuff big enough to dope all europe and there's something else 
said seaton quietly knocking a cone of gray ash from his cheroot onto the dirty floor kasma is hiding there in all probability if he hasn't got clear away and mrs monty irvin is being held a prisoner if they haven't for irvin's sake i hope not chief inspector there are two very curious points in the case apart from the mystery which surrounds the man kasma the fact that marino palpably an accomplice stayed to face the music and the fact that Cincinnati likewise has made no effort to escape do you see what it means they are covering the big man kasma once he and mrs irvin are out of the way we can prove nothing against marino and Cincinnati, and the most we could do for mrs sin would be to convict her of selling opium to do even that we should have to take a witness to court said carrie gloomily and all the satisfaction we get would be to see her charged ten pounds silence fell between them again it was the kind of sympathetic silence which is only possible where harmony exists and indeed of all the things strange and bizarre which characterized the inquiry this sudden amity between carrie and seaton pasha was not the least remarkable it represented the fruit of a mutual respect there was something about the lean unshaven face of seaton pasha and something too in his bright gray eyes which allowing for the difference of coloring might have reminded a close observer of carrie's fierce countenance the tokens of iron determination and utter indifference to danger were perceptible in both and although seaton was dark and turning slightly gray while carrie was as red as a man well could be that they possessed several common traits of character was a fact which the dissimilarity of their complexions wholly failed to conceal but while seaton pasha hid the grimness of his nature beneath a sort of humorous reserve the dangerous side of kerry was displayed in his open truculence seated there in that limehouse attic a smoky lamp burning on the table between them and one gripping the stump of a cheroot between his teeth while the other chewed steadily they presented a combination which none but a fool would have lightly challenged cincinois is cunning said seaton suddenly he is a very clever man watch him as closely as you like he will never lead you to the store in the character of john smiles i had some conversation with him this morning and i formed the same opinion as yourself he is waiting for something and he is certain of his ground i have a premonition chief inspector that whoever else may fall into the net since sinois will slip out we have one big chance what's that rapped carrie the dope syndicate can only have got control of the traffic in one way by paying big prices and buying out competitors if they cease to carry on for even a week they lose their control the people who bring the stuff over from japan south america india holland and so forth will sell somewhere else if they can't sell to kasma and company therefore we want to watch the ships from likely ports or better still get among the men who do the smuggling there must be resorts along the riverside used by people of that class we might pick up information there carrie smiled savagely 
i've got half a dozen good men doing every dive from wapping to gravesend he answered but if you think it's worth looking into personally say the word well my dear sir seaton pasha tossed the end of his cheroot into the empty grate what else can we do kerry banged his fist on the table you're right he snapped we're stuck but anything's better than nothing we'll start here and now and the first joint we'll make for is dougal's dougal's echoed seaton pasha that's it dougal's a danger spot on the isle of dogs used by the lowest type of seafaring men and not barred to arabs chinks and other gaily coloured fowl if there's any chat going on about dope we'll hear it at dougal's seaton pasha stood up smiling grimly dougal's it shall be he said End of chapter 31 Recording by John Brandon